expositionally so that we're going through Scripture. Uh, it helps to hold me accountable so I'm not just closing my eyes and flipping through and just pointing at one Scripture saying, hey, this sounds good, but instead that we're hearing from the Lord and we're, we're good at Bible study and we're listening to God as He's speaking to us through His Word. Uh, but we're going to take a, a break, a little small break from the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to move uh, a little further along in Matthew's account of the Gospel. And we're going to move to Matthew chapter 21. For this week and next week, we're really going to talk about uh, what we are celebrating uh, through history now, uh, the triumphal entry of Christ as King, and then uh, the triumphal entry as Christ as resurrected King and conqueror of sin and death with all authority and power. So today we'll, we'll study Matthew 21 together, and then next week we will uh, look really at Matthew 26 and, and the, uh, the resurrection of, of Christ. You know, really, a lot can happen during the course of a week. I mean, think back to your previous week and about how many things maybe occurred during that week. How many TV shows you watched or how much you watched on Netflix or how often you uh, perused Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or how often you had coffee or donuts or some kind of snack or how often you uh, you talked about the weather and the wind and the weather and the wind and the wind and the wind. You know what I'm talking about. We fill up our time and a lot happens during the week and as we meet back together for Sunday morning gatherings and we say things like, how was your week? Most of us don't think back through it because it's over, right? And so you say, well, it's good. Even if it wasn't good, we still try and think through it. And for some of you who actually think through, we grow impatient with you. It's like, I'm asking you the question, but I don't really want you to think back through the week. Just give me a shallow answer. Just tell me it was good. A lot can happen during the week. A lot can change during the week. I mean, how many of you have had a Sunday that was just phenomenal? It was the best Sunday of your life. And then two days into the week, it's the worst week you've ever experienced in your whole life due to trauma or illness or, or a loss of some sort. It just the week can change so, so rapidly. And this, what, this is what happens in the life of, of Christ as he's living upon this earth. I told my sister just a few weeks ago, and I told uh, Brad the same thing this morning. Brad and Gail celebrate 33 years of marriage uh, last week, and my sister has been on this earth for 33 years. And I said, I hope the same things don't happen to you that happened to Jesus during his 33rd year of life or marriage or whatever. We want things to be different for, for you. We think about just the, the quickness, the promptness, the promptness of what of what happened. I mean, you know how time goes. It it seems as whatever you're looking forward to approaches. As you get closer and closer to that moment, things just start moving so much, so much quicker. Uh, I remember several several years in a row, my family, as, as well as two other families from my hometown, uh, planned a Texas Rangers and Six Flags trip uh, once a year. And I remember we looked forward to it. We we uh, we had uh, garage sales so that we could uh, buy our own tickets. Uh, the kids, we would sell our things. We could buy our own tickets. And if we wanted souvenirs or whatever, then we would have money for souvenirs at the Rangers game and Six Flags. And we'd spend a whole weekend there in Arlington and Fort Worth and uh, just really uh, enjoying that moment. And I remember leading up to that time, how quickly, as it, as it approached, how quickly time went by. 
We get in the Suburbans and we start driving towards Arlington and Fort Worth and just how quickly the time would approach. We played a game. The first one to see the big tower at Six Flags wins the game. I don't remember exactly what we won, but, but you would, you'd be driving and you think, okay, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, and all of a sudden there it is and it just approaches and it, and it gets there faster than you expected it. And then that long drive home. The event ended, the moment you were looking for ended, and there was this long ride home. Will it ever, will it ever end? Wednesday may be that day for me this week. Will this drive home ever end? We just have those moments. You expect, and we have this holy expectation, we'll call it, and we're just waiting for this time, and then all of a sudden it happens, and then there's this long expected journey until the next approaching thing that we, we look forward to. So we have this in the life of Christ this particular week that we celebrate in history. If Christ coming in as triumphant king, riding on a donkey, uh, fulfilling prophecy, uh, people are beginning to recognize who he is. Uh, their eyes and their, their, their vision is fixed upon him. Maybe they cry out. They recognize that he's their rescuer. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one that's been talked about. He's the one that we've been waiting for. Here, here he is. And then the moments of that week just go by so quickly. I mean, I could think for Peter, as he, uh, as Christ tells him, Christ knowing all things says, Hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times in this amount, in this time, time span. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to argue with you. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Really? I don't know what I'm talking about. I know all things. You're going to do this within this amount of time span. And I wonder after that second time that Peter denied Christ, denied his association with him, rebelled against him, denied uh, being a follower of him. I wonder if he thought, please, time, slow down. And then when he denied the third time and the rooster crowed, or the rooster made his noise, I wonder if he thought how quickly those three denials happened. And then what? And then what? And then what? We live in this fast pace. Let's move quickly. Let's slow down. Let's move quickly. Let's slow, let's slow down. And oftentimes we get so distracted with those things. We get so distracted with the things that do not matter at all. The fleeting things of the world. And here our Savior is saying, you recognize who I am. You know that I'm king. You've called me Lord even. You want to be a follower of me. You want your sins to be forgiven. You want to be in my kingdom. You want to be in my, in my family. Remember me at all times. Matthew 21, starting in verse 1, says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, see, because they're drawing near to Jerusalem because of the time, because of the Passover. They have to, to be good religious people, they have to go to Jerusalem. Now when, the, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Beth Podge, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. I'm going to stop for just a second. You know that our Savior, if you are a redeemed person this morning, if you've confessed Christ as Lord... What our Savior does to you is He asks you to follow Him, and then in your following Him, He sends you out. Okay? So you are a sent people. We are a sent people. We are not a stay people. We are a sent people. He sends people out. It's a common theme throughout all of the Gospels. We see Christ sending people to, to go do the mission that He has put them, He's put them upon. Okay? Uh, verse 3 says this, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and He will send them at once. 
So it seems as if God had already been working, Christ had already been working, the Lord had already been working in someone's life, preparing them for this moment. Someone in tune with God already, that when the disciples walk up and says, the Lord needs this, this person who had already been trying to follow Christ or follow God, uh, already been trying to listen for God, responded because he heard he heard God speaking. Verse 4, This took place to fulfill what, what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and, a, and on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. So we see that this person whose name is not written down here, Matthew didn't write his name down for us, this person who owns this colt, is helping to fulfill prophecy that that God had prophesied. A servant saying, I hear you. The Lord needs this. I'm going to be used by him. Verse 8, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Now don't don't do this often, but put yourself in this this place right here. Put yourself in verse 8. If you're following Jesus today, if you are, if you're following Jesus today, and we're going to call you a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, verse 8 says, or verse 6, sorry, I'm, I'm seeing that wrong, I need glasses. The, verse 6 says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And the previous week, the one that just ended, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of Jesus, How often could you say, reflecting on your life in Christ last week, how often could you say that Jesus directed you to do something and you followed his directions? My hope is that you could say every day last week, Christ directed me and I followed his directions. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's this sermon about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Christ proclaiming the message of what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's giving us directions. The leader directing us that we may follow him. Verse 7 says this. After they did what he had directed, verse 7 says, They brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. People began seeing the majesty and the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. They began seeing the, the royalty of who he really is. When you recognize royalty, and I'm not talking about King James who plays on a basketball team right now, but when you recognize royalty, you begin changing everything about yourself. You begin saying, it is not about me any longer. I'll gladly take my my cloak off and put it on the ground. You can walk on it because I am nothing compared to you. I see you as royalty. Verse 9, And the crowds that went before him and and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They didn't say, oh, look, it's Jesus, son of Mary, son of Joseph. Oh, look, it's Jesus. He's a good guy. Oh, look, Jesus, remember him? He walked on water. He healed. Remember when Jesus gave us fish and loaves? No, they recognize his royalty. They recognize uh, their need for salvation. They recognize uh, prophecy. They recognize that, Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of David, the one who's coming in the name of the Lord. He is the one who's going to come and save the world. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? 
when Christ ascended into heaven after the resurrection, and he puts this charge upon his followers, and he he promises them that he will not leave them alone or abandon them as orphans, but instead he will leave his counsel or his spirit here to reside in them so that they may go and be these ministers of reconciliation, so that they may go and be this light to the world and salt to the world, so that they may go and proclaim the same things so that the world may be stirred up asking the same thing, who is this Jesus? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Begin identifying, I'll tell you who this Jesus is. This triumphal moment where we see Christ fulfilling prophecy. See Christ, people recognizing him for who he is, seeing his royalty. And I would assume this morning that there's many in this room that at some point in your life, you recognize the royalty of Christ. You recognize that. You, you recognize the lordship of Jesus and your need for him to be lord of your life. At some point, I'm assuming that at some point in your life, looking around here, I'm assuming that you said, Christ, forgive me of my sins. You be king of my life. You conquered death. You forgive sins. So take those away from me and set me on the right path. But I wonder if there's anyone in here this morning that has forgotten who Jesus is. And you even have to ask yourself sometimes, well, who is this Jesus? So we have this great moment that we celebrate. We have songs that we celebrate. We sing a song this morning, Hosanna. We, we have this great moment. We're treasuring Jesus. We're seeing his royalty. And then what happens? He has to go to church. <laughs> oh, he's a religious guy. So he's got to go to church. You came to church this morning. It's Palm Sunday. Hosanna. But I wonder, I wonder, are we among these people? So Jesus, mounted on this donkey, fulfilling prophecy, this humble servant, this suffering servant, this, this righteous king, the one that's going to save the world, has to go to church. Verse 12 says this, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. A few weeks ago we talked about how we have this glory hunger inside of us, and that really we are all thieves trying to rob the glory from God. We become robbers or thieves, trying to steal things from Christ that only belong to him. Christ sees this happening in this temple, the place that's supposed to belong to God, a place that's supposed to be holy and righteous, a place of prayer, a place that people can connect with God and hear from God. And people have changed it and made it into a place, a place called a den that Christ calls a den of robbers. So he begins to clean out the temple. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Verse 15. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? When people begin being changed by Jesus it's unfortunate that religious people begin to question it. 
I want to check the authority of this. I want to make sure that this is right. You're saying that Jesus has changed you? Jesus has healed you? Jesus has given you sight back? You're saying that Jesus welcomes little kids? Listen to what they're calling you. They're calling you the son of David. They're calling you the blessed one. They're, they're calling you the one that's been prophesied about. Are we sure? Are we sure about this? We begin, we begin to question the authority of Jesus. Church, let's not be like these Pharisees. Let's not be like these people. Let's use them as a bad example and say we're not going to be like them. And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And then in the morning, verse 18, we begin having Jesus teaching. But remember this week that's happening. He comes in as this humble servant on a donkey prophesied about. People begin seeing his, his royalty, but the, the week begins to progress quickly. He knows what the end What's, what's, what's waiting for him at the end of the week. Yet he takes time to focus people on what's most important. So in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. What does this story tell us? Don't be a fig tree without figs. Make sure you're bearing fruit. But it also tells us that Christ, with his word, can speak and things can happen. And Christ has authority even over fig trees. We talked about just a moment in Sunday school. How often will we confess Christ as Lord and we can trust him with our eternal soul but we get so worried about the right now. And Christ is saying, I have control over every moment. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. All of it belongs to me. I am the Ancient of Day. It's all mine. Verse 20 says this, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Really, disciples? At this point, you're now, just now marveling at what Christ can do? Do you not already know? When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did this fig tree wither at once? And this is the, this is the greatness of our Savior. He can still amaze people after three years of pouring his life into him. He can still do amazing things that people are still marveled at. Even 2,000 years later, we can still be amazed and marveled at what Christ can do. Verse 21, And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not, and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to, to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So we see this fig tree, Christ using this moment to strengthen and uh, strengthen the disciples' faith and to uh, show them marvel of who, who he is, to show his authority. He does have authority. Verse 23, And when he entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came up to him, as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Remember yesterday when he came in and cleaned out the temple, trying to make it a place of righteousness and holiness, where, where the leaders of the temple had made it a place of, of sin and a place of our den of robbers and Christ coming in saying, Hey, let's clean this place up. Let's remove things that are against God. Let's remove the things that are, are, are pulling us away or distracting us from who Christ really or God really is. So they question, 
By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? I wonder if you question even Christ's authority in your own life. By, by whose authority does Christ have to tell me not to worry about clothing or food or time? I mean, by whose authority does he have to tell me to go to all the nations and proclaim the gospel? By whose authority does he have to say that his kingdom is the greatest of them all? By whose authority does he have to say that he's the king of kings? By whose authority does he have to say that he is the only answer? I wonder if you question those daily. Verse 24, and Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. This is what, this is a little side note. This is why I love counseling. This is why I love Jesus. Not the only reason, but one of the major reasons, because he's a great counselor. Because they ask a question, he's like, wait a minute, this isn't about me. I'm going to ask you a question. Let's get it back on you. What are you going to do with who I, with who I am? Verse 25. The baptism of John, from where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The authority of Christ is questioned often. And I wonder if you question it even in your own life every day. Verse 28, we go to these two stories, uh, these two parables about a vineyard, about workers in a vineyard, about our owner of a vineyard, these two stories about vineyards, about producing fruit. If you see the, the connection between Jesus cursing the fig tree and these two parables. You see that Israel throughout Scripture is often talked about being a vineyard, about Christ uh, or God using them and producing fruit. It's a, it's a common theme. And here's Christ uh, and Matthew being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things down, showing us that Christ is the answer to prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the humble servant that's coming to save the world. He also has authority. And though, though many are questioning it, he still has the authority. Verse 28, what do you think? So a man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind. And verse 30, And when he went to the other son and said the same, he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. So which of these two did the will of the father? And they said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe. I mean, here are these people who have for years, for generations, heard about the coming Messiah. For years, for generations, have, have heard about the saving the Savior coming to save them. The King coming to reign to establish this kingdom. For generations, prophets have come, shared and spoken the word of God. Think about the prophet Jeremiah over and over and over again declaring the word of the Lord and yet not listening. So it seems in this little parable, Christ says, if you believe it, you put it into action. If you want to be my follower, you will listen to my directions and you will follow me. If you believe what I say and you believe who I am, then you will put into action what I ask you to do. Matthew, if you know anything about his background, I love that he wrote there, even the tax collectors believed him and followed him. 
Verse 33, here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. You see some imagery here. You know what he's talking about, right? You see that maybe the owner or the master is God and he's leasing it or letting certain people borrow this place. And verse 34 says this, When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. So harvest time came. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They, surely, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to them, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Verse 42, And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. What a, a moment of decision. What a time of reflection. What an opportunity to see who Christ is and make a decision to decide, does Christ have all authority? Is he God's son? Is he one that I should be building my life upon? Actually, is he the one that should be building my, my life? Is he the one that I should follow wholeheartedly, faithfully, obeying him and him alone? Is he the one that I should be taking directions from and following those directions? Thankfully, this two parables, three stories here, are about Israel. They're not about us, right? Worthless Israel. They don't know what they're doing. God has spoken to them often, sends messenger after messenger, declaring, follow Christ, live wholeheartedly for God, abandon everything else and follow Him. Those people, such bad examples, can't even relate, have no idea what they're going through. Christ is God's Son. He has all authority. He's in a royal position now. And this week that he's walking through, that we get to walk with him this week, thinking back through history, see how often people questioned who Christ is. He's the only one that can remove your sins. He's the only one that can lord over you. He's the only one that can fulfill everything that's supposed to be fulfilled about you. He's the only one that can give you hope and a purpose. He's the only one that can remove anxiety from you and give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And Christ really is it. A few years ago, I was on an elk hunt out next near the Arizona border. 
it was towards the end of the hunt, and or actually it was the end of the hunt. We we're making our way back to Albuquerque. And you remember how we talked about how quickly those things come, and then that long drive, painfully long drive home, especially if there's nothing in the ice chest uh, as far as uh, elk meat. Uh, but painfully long drive home, and and uh, as we're driving uh, back in the uh, uh, the uh, the boondocks or whatever you want to call it, um, <clears throat> set the cruise control. The guy that was hunting with me fell asleep. Reese is in the back seat. He's asleep. Set the cruise control. There's there's absolutely no radio stations out there other than Navajo radio for whatever reason could pick that up. Didn't have a clue what they were saying. So, but it's on the radio, or whatever. And I saw in the distance finally a, a vehicle approaching. And uh, as I as I got pretty excited, I was like, Hey, we're not the only ones out here. If something happens, then surely somebody can help us. And as the vehicle approached uh, more, and we, we were about to meet, I recognized that it was a state police officer. Hey, great. So not only is it uh, uh, somebody else out here, somebody somebody that can actually help. It's a state police officer. They have authority. They have a badge, a gun, and a ticket book. And so uh, so as he begins to approach, he slowly drifts over to the side of the road and turns on his lights to illuminate the uh, the area and then uh, and then begins to turn around. And, and because I'm the only one out there and can't pla- uh, place guilt on anyone else, I just pulled over, and uh, as the officer began to approach, rolled down the window, did all the proper things, said yes, sir, uh, you know, all the all the proper respectful things that you're supposed supposed to do. So he asked, you know, hey, what are you up to? And I said, hey, we're uh, we've been elk hunting. How was it? It was great. It was the best time of my life, but uh, unfortunately, you know, I didn't feel attacked. Oh, that's okay, you know. He's like, well, do you know why I pulled you over? No, sir, I don't. He's like, well, I clocked you going, I clocked you going 66. I'm like, well. That's interesting because I had the cruise control set at 65. And he's like, yeah, okay. Do you know what the speed limit is? I just assumed it was 65. That's why I had to say, no, it's 55. I'm like, okay, well, I apologize. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just out here and we're just driving home back to Albuquerque. He's like, no worries. It happens, you know. So, uh, so hand him license, hand him registration, and hand him insurance card. He begins to tell me, uh, well, here's, we've got some problems. You're speeding. Yes, sir. We determined that uh, your your title or your registration card is not signed, and that that can be a fine for you. Also, some of you are learning something this morning. Actually, all right. And then uh, your insurance card exp- expired yesterday. Oh man. Okay. Well, can you can you tell me a little bit more about the uh, signing of the registration card? Because I'm I'm fairly new to the state. He's like, oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. It's a it's a fine of such and such amount of dollars. It has to be signed and. I was like, okay, well, I apologize about that. He's like, no, no big deal. It happens all the time. Um, so, so you said you're new to the state. Where, where are you from? I was like, well, I'm actually from Texas. <laughs> I'm glad to tell you that. I, oh, okay. Where are you? Where are you from in Texas? And I said, yes, sir. I'm, I actually grew up out in kind of West Texas. And he said, I said, where? Whoa, okay. Well, I grew up in a little small town named Colorado City. He's like, no way, small world. My cousin lives there. This is awesome. Who's your cousin? So he mentions the cousin's name. I won't mention it now. He mentions the cousin's name, and I say, no way. I know your cousin. We grew up. He goes to church with us, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, such a small world. I'll be right back. Goes to his vehicle, comes back, and he issues me three papers, one for speeding, one for expired insurance, and a warning for an unassigned thing. So I so I called uh, my friend there in in Colorado City and I said, uh, "Hey Randy, um, just want to know I met your cousin. 
He's like, no way. Where'd you meet him? I was like, well, he's a state police officer. Yeah, I know what he does. But you know what happened? And so I told him the story, and he said, oh, poor you. You, you mentioned my name, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I thought it could get me out of the ticket, actually. <laughs> the no in you, he's like, no, 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 no. Mentioning my name ain't going to do you anything but cause more guilt. It will not take or erase the guilt from you. So I stand, stood, <laughs> guilty of speeding, guilty of expired registration or expired insurance, guilty of an unsigned registration form. And Randy's name could not save me from that moment. Your sin has you standing guilty. Your name cannot save you. My name cannot save me. My authority over you or your authority over me cannot save you, will not erase your guilt. There is only one that can erase your guilt. There is only one that can rescue you from your sin. In this moment in chapter 21, Matthew writes this greatly, reminding us, reminding us of who Christ is. Royal, King, Savior, Messiah, all authority. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they had held him to be a prophet. They began recognizing who Christ was. They saw him as possible Messiah. They saw that he had authority. They saw that he might be uh, the one that's prophesied about. They saw all these things. But they remained fearful of their own kingdom being taken away from them. They became fearful of the people around them. They became fearful of what their future may be like. And they continued to stand guilty, even as religious leaders. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the one who comes from the Lord, coming to save us to erase our guilt, and to give us the life that he has created us to have. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning praying, God, that if we have forgotten that you have erased our sins and declared us not guilty, remind us of that this morning, that we may live for you and for you alone. God, help us to see our need to worship you in every moment of our life. As we talked about last week, seeking you, seeking your kingdom, your righteousness above all things. God, help us to diligently search for you so that we may be used by you, abiding in you, faithful to you and to you alone. But for those in this room this morning that may be standing with guilt still or sitting with guilt still, God, I pray that they may fill your prompting and confess Christ as Lord so that you may remove their guilt. Yours is the only name worth living for. God, help us this morning in our time of response to you to honor you by the way that we respond to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.